This is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, it's a big day for hockey in Calgary. If you are a Matthew Phillips truther, if you are a Matthew Phillips fan, if you're a fan of the Wranglers, fan of the Flames, however we want to phrase this, it's a big day. News of the day, obviously the Flames beat the Minnesota Wild last night. They come back, they win 5-3. to three. Things are looking pretty good in Calgary right now. We, you know, it's been... Hasn't been a ton of games, but things are trending in the right direction, right? We can say that. But I think the big news, as I bring in my producer, friend Logan Gordon, to the show, is Matthew Phillips. Gets called up. The Calgary Flames from the Wranglers this afternoon. Kevin Rooney is put on waivers. Uh, Rooney signed a two-year, $1.3 million AAV contract in the summer. He was a healthy scratch against the Wild Waved today. I think that was maybe the other shoe that we were waiting to drop this morning, Logan. I believe you had the tweet of kind of wondering when the news came out, like, all right, is there an injury we haven't heard of yet? Like, what's the next move here? What's prompting this? Other than the fact that Matthew Phillips is leading the American Hockey League in goals and points with 15 goals, 30 points in 20 games. Like, what's what's the other factor going on here? We don't know which one maybe came first, but Kevin Rooney put on waivers. And Matthew Phillips called up, Logan, Gordon, what's up? How do you react to this? Like I said, the start the show, like this is a good thing. This is a, <laughs> a nice morning for for Matthew Phillips. It's not the morning, Jesus. It's the morning if you wake up at noon. The news happened uh, in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've been it's celebrating good, the news for a while. Yes, it's a good It's a good day if you're a Matthew Phillips fan. It is. It's um. It's been the, the hot topic here for... I don't know, it feels like the better part of a month and a half now, and you're finally here. I don't think this is the final step. I think you still need to see where exactly this lands in the Flames lineup and what Yeah, what and he Dar- needs to play, thanks yeah. to the texter. Phillips got called up, does Emilio play yet? We know. Yeah, we, we, we understand okay. that. But It's a Thursday is... in December. We're trying to talk about something nice. <laughs> we're, try, we're trying to spin this as positively as we can. It's, it's a two-step process, and we've got yeah. step one down, so... Yeah. Let us take our small victory and be happy about it. So, yeah, it's interesting. Look, I honestly was thinking today, I'm trying to remember the last time a Flames prospect slash call-up got this kind of attention and this kind of noise. I mean, like the Flames tweet about it today, Haley's at like 450 retweets. Like, people have been going crazy for Matthew Phillips. It's a huge thing. I covered the Flames full-time for two years, and I think I talked about Matthew Phillips more than any other prospect I'd previously covered and I covered you know the American Hockey League and I covered the Ottawa Senators people love talking about and hearing about and wondering about Matthew Phillips oh 100% and I think this year it's only been I don't know through the roof since he's been the leading scorer in the AHL like there's there was just no way around this move I think if you're the Calgary Flames I think the only way that you could possibly avoid this is if you were maybe in a Boston Bruins like start to the season where you could ignore this kind of noise. But I mean, I think most teams would feel like they were in this position, Haley, given how good Matthew Phillips has been at the AHL level. At some point you either have to admit that you're just not going to bring him up ever, or he's going to force your hand. And that's kind of what he did. Yeah, for sure. I think it's one of those things where of course he needs to get into the lineup. And of course he needs to show 
that he can be a producer at the NHL level. This is a player who has proven that he can score at the American Hockey League level. He has proven he can do that for the Flames organization in the the space that he's currently in. Um, He has one NHL game under his belt, as we talked about yesterday, and obviously it's great timing having had Scott Wheeler on the show yesterday to talk about prospects teed up the world juniors but also talked about how matthew phillips is top of the list of of a call up if the calgary flames are looking for an injection of of whether it's speed or skill or goal scoring ability matthew phillips can score goals mind you we've only seen that proven at the american hockey league level we know that um but you've at some point you have to give this guy a shot to see if he can do it in the nhl because you can't say that he can't do it when you've only seen him play one game and that's always been my piece with matthew phillips you we can say we can look at um his stat line and we can look at how tall he is or how much he weighs etc etc all of the qualitative and quantitative things we can but we cannot really make the decision on if he's an nhl player if we don't see him get a shot in the national hockey league and um, the flames are going to play three games in four nights they're in Minnesota tomorrow. They're going to play Johnny Gaudreau. Then they're in Toronto. So they've got that back-to-back against Minnesota and then the Toronto Maple Leafs Friday, Saturday. Uh, again, three games in four nights. So maybe we expect Matthew Phillips to be in at least one of those games. You know, the Daryl Sutter likes, you know, Brett Ritchie and, and all those things about the fourth line. You're going to play some maybe bigger teams. Maybe you don't want to throw Matthew Phillips in there against the Maple Leafs. Maybe you do because it's a kind of a more of a fast puck-moving team than a big-hitting uh, grinded out checking team. Um, but I think it's probably fair to think we might see Matthew Phillips in that three game and four night stretch that's coming up here. Again, we know that he needs to, to get in and we know that he's unproven at the NHL level, but I think it's important that, you know, he's getting the shot so we can finally make, you know, the call on a guy. Cause again, <laughs> we don't know if he's an NHL player or not. Cause he's played one game and he's going to get that shot. And I think it's important. Otherwise, what are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing with Matthew Phillips? I know he's not a prospect anymore, but you know if he's going to be an AHL player, at least let him show that he can't do it in the NHL. Yeah, it, he's kind of the rare one that's exceeded the AHL level for so long, but doesn't have that NHL stint to really give you that sample size, right? I always think of guys like Josh Levo's guy that comes to mind that's always had good American Hockey League numbers. Yeah. And, and he's had his shot, you know. Yeah, exactly. Right? NHL, exactly. You know, we he's know what we we know what Josh Levo is. A hundred percent, right? You can't sit there and say, "Hey, Josh Levo's never had an NHL opportunity." He's had plenty of NHL opportunities on plenty of different teams. Had one here, <laughs> exactly. And he's proven yeah. that he's somewhere between an NHL and an AHL regular, and yeah. that's kind of his ceiling. You you don't yeah. have depends any on the of organization that. he's in, right? Like he's a tweener. Yeah. Probably, and you know, in, in a contender, he's a tweener and maybe an NHL player, depending yeah. where you look. But Matthew yeah, Phillips' one game was like an afternoon game against the Vancouver Canucks <laughs> in a bubble when yeah. there was a playoff game literally like three hours later. It was the most yeah. ridiculous was- <laughs> thing of all time. I don't even <laughs> yeah. know if it physically counts outside of him getting an NHL paycheck oh my God. for the good season. It was the most ridiculous NHL yeah. debut of all time. Like, yeah. Mom watched me play in front of nobody back home in Calgary because we were in this ridiculous bubble scenario. And, yeah, that's, you can say he's got NHL experience, but it's an NHL experience that not many people will want to remember. That was an elite NHL, like, meme joke social media day. 
and I'm sorry, it was at the expense of the Flames of Vancouver Canucks, but it was just like, <laughs> you oh, know, yeah. it was, wasn't there a playoff game first and then they played? I remember I know, being it, like, something and now ridiculous. the yeah. game of the night, it was like a, you know, 10 p.m. Eastern time and everyone's like, wait a second, the yeah, Flames and the Canucks are playing yeah. right now yeah. after we just watched like Tampa and Florida destroy each other. That's yeah, the, the fourth of Florida four the between the Flames whatever. and the Canucks. Uh, <laughs> none of these games mean absolutely anything, but uh, hope you enjoy it. And yeah, yeah we tried so hard to forget about those days. Yeah. That was either the like Mart. That was either the final game of the night, or it was like the little pre-playoff appetizer. I forget which one it was, but that was a great. Either day. way, it was horrible. Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, before and again, I should say, you know, welcome to Hockey Central. I'm Haley Salvi, and here with Logan Gordon, uh, we're gonna have a little Thursday Flames roundtable with Julian McKenzie later on the show. We can talk a bit more about Matthew Phillips. He had a Q and A with Matthew on the Athletic a couple weeks ago, so we can talk to him about that. His thoughts on Phillips getting called up and some other trends and things we're seeing with the Calgary Flames. And shortly, we're gonna have uh, my friend and colleague Don Lustician on the show. Uh, he's a national writer at The Athletic. He does a lot of um, the statistical model. He's a good uh, data analyst, etc. So we're going to bring Dom on and, and look at some things around the league. Uh, before Dom shows up, though, I wanted to ask you uh, about your thoughts on the game last night. Flames down to nothing within three minutes. Not ideal. I think it was your tweet again. Like, I don't think the Flames knew that the game started at six o'clock. Uh, it ended up being okay. You know, Minnesota had all the momentum going. The game changed after those four straight penalties. I think the Wild and their fans will contest some of those. I saw in some of the post game and, and some of the social media, they're like, not all those were penalty calls. Um, whereas I think if you're the Flames and you're Daryl Sutter, you look at it and say, like, you know, we drew four straight penalties, cashed in on one of the four, and then changed the momentum in the game. And obviously the Flames come back and they win five to three, a couple little momentum swings in that one, but flames get another two points last night. What, uh, what did you see from the game before we had to Dom and, and do a little zip around the league? Well, the first five minutes, it looked like Calgary was going to be blown out of the water. Minnesota came out firing. I don't know if you've heard about this or not, but they've been here in Alberta for the last couple of days and mm -hmm. done some major team bonding up in Banff. They did, uh, this like amazing race style, like scavenger hunt. Uh, I heard they had a really good night out. It's like a team dinner or drink night out there. So they were feeling good about themselves coming into Calgary. They've had a couple days off. They were up in the mountains enjoying some good time. And all of a sudden it looked like the first five minutes were like, okay, holy, this team is rested and ready to go. And the flames were not expecting They couldn't connect a pass for the first five minutes. And before you know it, you're like, okay, well, Guess we don't have to wait long to talk about all the Kirill Kaprizov records that he just broke yeah, because it was yeah. 90 seconds in and he's looking like he's going to set records uh, all over the place. But the Flames really, and I, I, I give Dan Vidar a lot of credit for this, you know, settled into their game despite a rocky start. And it was something that, that Nazem Kadri talked about in the locker room last night was, hey, we're not a group that's young or inexperienced. We're a confident group and a group that can say to each other, hey, Get the next one. Keep going here. It's 2 nothing. It's not the end of the world. We had a bad start. Go out and get it back. Don't sit there and, and pout about it and you know worry about that we're down to. Just go out there and fight back. And sure enough, that's what the team did. And uh, at 5-on-5, five five, they didn't have a lot of success last night, Haley. But you're right. For Minnesota to give them six opportunities on the power play, it was kind of the direction the Flames needed to get back in because that first power play unit has started to find some success. And sure enough, last night, with a couple more opportunities, 
they find themselves back in the game and are able to use the second period right around that 7 o'clock start mark to uh, jump out to a 3-2 lead and it eventually takes them all the way. Yeah, absolutely. I thought um, it's it's like we said yesterday. It's like I've said quite a bit this season. Being good at five on five is important. We all know that, uh, but special teams matter too. And, and that was a, a big one. They were good on the PK. Obviously, two power play goals last night. Top power play unit was really good, uh, and, and that mattered. And that was probably the difference maker when it was all said and done for the Flames last night, beating the Wild five to three. Uh, got another note here in the text line. Uh, one one person said, "Haley, we agree." Uh, a shot for Matthew Phillips should be no less than 20 games in the top six. We'll see if that happens. Um, I'm not sure who you're going to kick out of the top six to, to slot Matthew Phillips in, unless you kind of drop someone down to the third line, fourth line. I'm not sure who is that, who that is, you know, is it, you put, you put Jonathan Huberto back down to the third line with Michael Backlund and, and Blake Coleman, but then you're putting Razichka back down. I'm not quite sure how that's going to work in practice, but it's a, it's a fair thought. And, and another one here uh, looking at, you know, sometimes putting up numbers in the AHL doesn't mean you're going to stick in an NHL lineup. And that's hundred percent true. I always look at, uh, so a couple of years ago, I wrote a story about Josh Norris. He had one of the best AHL seasons in the last, you know, decade or so in the American Hockey League in terms of a rookie. Um, and I went back and looked historically. Um, Corey Conacher is a really good example of this. He put up 39 goals and 80 points as a rookie in 2012 for the Norfolk Admirals on his way to being named AHL Rookie of the Year. He won the MVP. He won the Calder Cup that year. It was this like amazing year for Conacher in the American Hockey League. Um, despite all that promise, he was mostly just a call-up and he was kind of just forever a tweener playing far more AHL games than NHL games in his career. So um, that is a good example of just because you can perform and put up points in the American Hockey League doesn't always mean it's going to translate you know to who the else NHL. I, I thought of Haley, and I, I don't know if he was around during your time covering the team. I feel like every, every team probably has this tweener guy, but I immediately thought of Austin Zarnick. Mm-hmm. Right, the yeah. guy is a great AHL numbers. You thought, okay, it could be an offensive impact guy. The Flames kind of thought that, but it never clicked at the NHL level for him for whatever reason. Yeah, yep, absolutely. I think I think you can go through most organizations and be like, uh, yeah, we've got some examples of some tweeners in here that just can't quite get it. But I think obviously the point here is that he's going to get a shot. He's got the call up. We'll see if he gets into the games. And, uh, and we'll see how that works in practice for Matthew Phillips and the Calgary Flames. Uh, let's go to the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline because I think we have Dom on the line. And uh, I know Dom, you know, we're going to ask Dom everything about Matthew Phillips because uh, I'm sure he has many thoughts. I'm just kidding. No I'm just kidding. Hey, Dom, what's up? <laughs> Dom's coming uh, in this like, too mm-hmm. much. How are you guys doing? Good, good. How are you? Are you uh, running errands? You know, this is the uh, no, time you I... like to go and do stuff. You stayed home? I watched the OC and ate a sandwich instead, and then there was like half an hour until the call, so I decided to wait and do some work instead, and the ugly Christmas sweater I need to buy can, can wait. Oh. Do you, are, you, are you going to a party that I wasn't invited to? Yeah, I'm going to a party on, on Saturday, uh, and that oh. is correct. You were not invited because you don't know these people. No, and I won't be there because the Calgary Flames are taking on the Toronto Maple Leafs on Saturday. I'm going to be at that game oh, I was instead. going to go to that. Yeah. Uh, for, you know, everyone's point of reference, if whenever there's a Leafs game on a Saturday, you will not see 
Dom Luce Jishin in the arena. Just in case I anyone wanted to, to this one. <laughs> I was supposed to go to this one. I have a Christmas party now, so yeah. I really wanted to see the, the flames in town, and I wanted to see what is wrong with them, because they are supposed to be good, and they are not doing so hot. Yeah, well, let's, well, I mean, let's start there. I think they've been a little bit better recently. They've won four of their last five games. But overall, like when you're looking at the expectation versus the reality of the Calgary Flames through, I guess, you know, just past the quarter mark of the season, what what are you seeing from the Flames so far? I It's tough to evaluate this early because they're a team with obviously a lot of new pieces and I think people underestimate how long it takes for chemistry to build and those new pieces to come together. There were obviously very high expectations for Jonathan Huberto in particular and he obviously isn't scoring the same way he has in past years but his defensive game is taking a big step this year and I think once he sort of puts all the pieces together and reignites his offensive flair while keeping this two-way game steady. I think he can be the kind of guy who propels the Flames forward, especially when their schedule softens up a bit because they've had the toughest schedule for over the first few months. I think that was a really important thing that maybe sometimes got lost in the shuffle of the, oh my God, are the Flames actually bad conversation, is that they did have, you know, especially in the first I think it was like month of the season they had the worst strength of schedule and like essentially meaning the hardest schedule in the league or at least one of the top like the worst two or three right mm -hmm. yeah yeah and despite that they're still controlling the majority of chances so far during the season i think that's a good sign that this team isn't quite done yet i think over the second half they're definitely a team to watch for especially in the Western Conference, where I'm not as sold on a lot of the teams being really high quality. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you look through the West and specifically the Pacific Division, I mean, the Pacific teams and I mean, even the Western Conference, you look up and down the conference and, and in these divisions and, and how many of these teams do we actually believe are what they mm -hmm. are in the standings right now? And, and I think like Winnipeg, is his looking good? I think there's maybe some questions. Is this mostly Connor Hellebuck? Minnesota has been so streaky. Um, mind you, I think yesterday we were hearing about this like win streak that they're on and it was four games. Uh, so the Wild have been a little bit interesting and the Flames beat them yesterday. I think the Stars are legit. Vegas is probably fine. But other than that, I mean, you're looking at the Avs. Like who do we actually believe is going to be a playoff contender in the Western Conference right now? Uh, the Avs, as long as they survive their historic amount of injuries, I think they're getting a few players back, so they should be fine. Vegas has been amazing. They'll be fine. Dallas has started strong. They'll be fine. Aside from those three, I think there are obviously a lot of strong bets like Winnipeg, Edmonton, Minnesota is, should be fine, and Seattle has started off well, but there's a lot of, a lot of ifs, I think, even Seattle, their strong record, they're not a lock by any means, based on obviously what kind of team they were last year. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to talk to you a bit about the Colorado Avalanche. I mean, Nathan McKinnon's going to be out, uh, it looks like around four weeks. They're missing guys like Arturi Lekkonen, uh, no Evan Rodriguez, there's uh, no Gabriel Landeskog. They've got seven 
lineup regulars. And these are like top of the lineup guys. Um, we saw them go through injury issues last season. Mind you, they had Nazem Kadri who could slide up into the one C role and McKinnon was out and that was a huge help for them. But you know, what, what are they up against here? Are they going to be able to kind of tread water? Do you think they're going to be okay? Or is this going to be a concerning stretch without Nate McKinnon for the next four weeks? It will probably be a concerning stretch. I update playoff odds every morning and the abs were sitting pretty around like 99% because they're the abs and there's no reason to be too worried. But when you have seven different calamities all happening at once, suddenly that starts introducing doubt that wasn't previously there. And they, since McKinnon has been injured, they've dropped in their playoff odds to 89%, which is Notable in the sense that it is a lot lower than they were previously, but at the same time, it's still nine out of 10 times they make the playoffs. And I mean, I'm not betting against this ad team, especially when they're healthy. If they're up against it after going on a losing streak, maybe because everyone's injured, once they're healthy, I think they can run the tailbin and get back to where they need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of the Minnesota Wild? Obviously, we, we got a look at them yesterday, and Kirill Kaprizov had, uh, you know, he's had a pretty historic start to the season with the organization. They got off to a hot start. Uh, they were up 2 nothing within three minutes of the game. What, what do you make of Minnesota so far this season? Are they kind of a threat in that wild card race to Calgary? I I think so. I, I honestly, I'm not sure if I would probably bank on Calgary getting into the divisional part of the playoffs or a, with a two or three seed with how Edmonton is sort of not looking so hot and I still am not a, a huge Kraken believer I think they're they're good but not this good and I yeah I'm I'm a big believer in the Flames in the wild I was high on them to start the season and although both teams have started off poorly there's there's signs that they should be a lot better and I think we even after 25 games or so it's not enough to completely abandon what we knew about those teams last year they're both still controlling the shot share they're trending up and with how soft the west is there those are two teams i would still bank on making the playoffs uh by the time the season's up Mm -hmm. so looking at the games from last night uh there was a 9-4 game there was an 8-2 game a 6-5 a 5-1 i mean I think, you know, there was the, the what, it was 8-8 going into overtime between the LA Kings and the Seattle Kraken last week. Mm-hmm. And I don't even, I think people were surprised by it, but all at the same time, like these really high scoring, high flying, you know, sorry about your goaltending games are seeming to be a little bit more frequent. Is that something you're noticing more this season? And have you been able to maybe pinpoint why this is happening? Like, is it goaltending? Is it the skill in the league? Is I'm sure it's somewhere in between with a mix of both in terms of, you know, add in some defensemen in there too. But, but what do you make of all of these like high scoring games lately? Yeah, it's been wild to see yesterday. I was walking my dogs and I just checked the scores and Paige Thompson has four goals in the first period. And I'm losing my mind. Yeah, You thought it was safe to walk the dog for, you know, miss the first like 10 minutes of the game. And you're like, Oh my God, what? (laughs) I thought it was safe to not watch a Buffalo versus Columbus game. (laughs) But the, the goal scoring rise this year has made every game fun to watch in some ways, because there's been so many lead changes. You just don't know what to expect. And it feels like the NHL is sort of peaking a bit, sort of like they were in the mid nineties or sorry, early 90s, where skill is at its highest level. There is parity between the top teams, but there's, I guess, a clear enough divide where 
you feel good about which teams are good, but at the same time, those bad teams still have a chance to win every night. I think it's a good mix of where the league should be. As for why there's been so many goals, I saw a thread from Micah McCurdy the other day, uh, who is in effective math on Twitter, and he sort of noticed that this started, I think, after the 2016-17 season. This is when goalies started uh, their equipment went smaller, and I think that is definitely one reason. But the big thing this year is that, on average, a lot of teams are getting a lot more scoring chances than usual, and that is something that goes beyond goaltending. I wonder if it's teams focusing on the quality of shots more now that they have better data to figure out where the best shots are, sort of like the the three-point revolution in the NBA, and combine Mm -hmm. that with goalies having worse equipment and I think you get an explosion of goals like we're seeing this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you had your 16 stats come out today. Um, it's every two weeks on The Athletic. Um, you look through kind of 16, you know, things that were interesting you in those two weeks. I guess I guess that's what you do. I don't really know. You just put a bunch of stats on a page because you don't watch the games yeah. or whatever joke people like to make about this. Uh, but you had a really interesting chart in here. And I know that you were extrapolating on on Carolina's depth in there. The Carolina Hurricanes are a team that should be deep. They just haven't seen their depth start to execute yet. And you kind of looked at the top heavy scoring in the league. Um, Probably not surprisingly, the Edmonton Oilers are the most top heavy team. Carolina, surprisingly, is number two. Um, Other than the Canes and the Oilers, is there anything else that kind of stood out to you or surprised you when you looked at um, the top heavy scoring and in depth or lack thereof around the league? Not too much. I, to me, it did feel like if you are a team on either extreme of the spectrum, it's not where you want to be. I look at the three of the best teams in the league, Boston, New Jersey, Vegas. They are right in the middle, and that's because they have elite guys who can score, but they also have depth that can contribute as well. I see Boston, New Jersey side by side with 35% of the goals coming from their top three forwards and think that is probably a good place for where you want to be and Colorado being around that as well is a good sign. Um, I think that's part of the reason why I'm not a huge believer in the Kraken. They're at near the bottom around 24% of their goals are coming from their top three forwards. And it speaks to the depth the team has, which is something that a lot of people noted going into the season, but at the same time, they're lacking that that oomph, that zip at the top of the lineup. <laughs> yeah. that I the zip. Think make... <laughs> zip lost that pull, just so you know. Just so you know. Yeah. Never Thank forget you. that. <laughs> yeah. um, uh-huh. they're, the, the Kraken are lacking that zip at the top of the lineup. So I, I'm, not, I'm not too sure about them. But right above them is, is Calgary. And mm-hmm. it is part of the problem there is that last year they had arguably the best line in hockey. And they haven't been able to reignite that that value from their top guys this year yeah i mean that was kind of my follow-up when looking at this chart because i think for me looking at the flames on paper before the season i think we all knew that they weren't gonna have you know the same you know most productive top line in the nhl because you lose two-thirds that line and you know we're waiting for for things to start to click and, and things have been shuffled around a bit do you obviously see those numbers changing once guys like Jonathan Huberto 
um, and even Andrew Mangiapane can can start clicking along a little bit more. I mean, I I assume that part of the reason they're they're so low is that some of their top guys have had slow starts this season. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely part of it. But at the same time, someone like Huberto isn't going to be a guy contributing to goal scoring anyway. So it's yeah, good point. They're an interesting team where they they have a good amount of depth, but they also should have these high-end guys who should be contributing more than 25% of the goals right now. Even if Huberto is starting a bit slow, he's still generally a 30-goal guy who can put the puck in the net when he's on his game. And I think right now there's a bit too much focus on, and I can't believe I'm the one saying this, but there's a bit too much focus on getting him to play strong defense because there's a lot of players on this team that can do that. He's brought in to be an offensive star. Let him be that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a good point. I mean, we saw him drop down onto the third line playing with uh, Michael Backlund and Blake Coleman. And I think it was probably good for him in the sense that Backlund is a really steadying presence and that line did look pretty good. But it's also not really the optimal place for, for a guy mm-hmm. like Jonathan Huberto, who is used to just threading passes and finding seams that nobody can see and, and getting them to his kind of high-skilled you know, line mates who can put the puck in the net. So that was a maybe a bit of an example of, yeah, that's good. Um, however, it's probably not the most optimal place to yeah. put to put Huberto in your lineup. Yeah, it's, it's sort of like, it feels like maybe like a coaching thing where they're so, they're, 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 they feel good about a team that they can put Huberto in that spot to maybe sacrifice him short-term and gain the long-term and get him up to the level where maybe we saw Goudreau over the last season where, he was once viewed as this one-dimensional-ish winger, and last year he was pretty strong at both ends of the ice, and part of that was playing with Elias Lindholm and Matthew Kachuk. And if the worry is about Huberto's defense, having a guy like Michael Backlund, a guy like Blake Coleman, helps with that because it doesn't mean you have to throw his line with Elias Lindholm to the Wolves. They can be a more offensive line like the situation he had in Florida. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. Uh, last one for you, Dom. I skirted over this, but the Tage Thompson game last night, he uh, has four goals in the first period, finishes with five. Is is this guy kind of become the unlikely star of the season? I know there's been a ton. There's tons of stars shining this year. Lots of good things to talk about, but Tage Thompson might be uh, one of the kind of great bright stories, especially coming out of Buffalo this season. I love this man so much i love how wrong everyone was two years ago me especially i wrote specifically in buffalo season preview that year that tage thompson's claim to fame is his size that's it that's all he has and yeah, now he's, he's used that size to just be legitimately one of the best players in the league i have a model that measures value gsva and tage thompson cracked the top 10 after last night's incredible performance his second six-point game of the season he scored five goals and i i don't think he can keep up this 125 point pace or whatever but he he only needs 30 goals over his next 55 games to hit 50 he only needs 60 points in the same time to hit 100 points i think i think he can do it he can be a 50 goal 100 point guy which is something that felt unfathomable two years ago 
Uh, you know what? I lied. This is going to be my final point because the Calgary Flames are heading to Columbus tomorrow night. It's going to be the first time playing against Johnny Gaudreau since he signed in Columbus in the offseason. Obviously, we, we know everything that happened there. We don't have to recap uh, some of the, mm-hmm. the drama that happened this season. But I think it's important. Um, you know, they're going to Columbus. The Blue Jackets are not a very good team. Uh, as you mentioned, you didn't think that you needed to watch a Sabres Blue Jackets game last night. Um, Johnny Gaudreau, though, is having a very good season. Like he is at where you expected him to be. He's just mm-hmm. not enough to make Columbus very good. Is that kind of an accurate read on on the Jackets and Johnny Gaudreau? I don't think anyone would have been. <laughs> not going to sugarcoat it. This is a bad team, and Gaudreau is one of the best players in the league. And I think it shows how one player is not enough to get a bad team into the playoffs. I think a lot of people were skeptical before the season started when we felt that the Jackets would be worse despite adding a world-class player. And that's because last year was a bit of an overachieving year for the team. But honestly, this is a best-case scenario for them because they know Goodrow is good still. It wasn't a Calgary thing. It wasn't a star thing. This guy is the real deal. He's worth his contract, and even with him proving that, they're still a bad enough team to be right in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes, and they have a, a good group of young players who are ready to rise, and I think there's plenty of reason to be optimistic about the Blue Jackets going forward, just have to suffer some of the pain this season. Mm-hmm. Yep, and that's what Flames fans have to look forward to to, to watching tomorrow night. Uh, as Calgary heads to Columbus to play the Jackets on Friday night. Thank you for your time, Dom. Good luck finding your ugly Christmas sweater. Send me a picture of it. Uh, I will definitely send you a photo of it. Thanks for Are you having gonna go me. To it's a pleasure talking to my bestie. Huh? Yeah. Are you going to go to Winners? Um, Where do you get maybe. it? Uh, Value really... Village? I haven't thought that far ahead. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> All right. Well, good luck. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> there goes Dom Luce-Tishin. He's a senior national writer at The Athletic. Uh, got a little bit about the Flames. Jonathan Huberto looked ahead to the matchup tomorrow between the Flames and the Columbus Blue Jackets. First time Flames are taking on Johnny Gaudreau since he left the organization. Uh, that conversation with Don brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner for takeout or delivery. Call 403-248-3344 or dine in at Atlas Pizza 6060 Memorial Drive, Northeast. We're going to take a break. And after we're going to bring in Julian McKenzie, he covers the Calgary Flames. And uh, we're going to bring Logan Gordon back in. We're going to do a little Thursday Flames roundtable, get a little bit more into Kevin Rooney getting waived, news of the day, Matthew Phillips getting recalled, look ahead to that matchup uh, between the Columbus Blue Jackets and Calgary Flames on Friday and and even look a little further uh, because the Flames got it back to back and they're playing the Toronto Maple Leafs on Saturday. That's coming up next on Hockey Central Sports at 960 The Fan friend million dollars uh what does he kind of bring to the table uh, i'm not quite sure if we've seen him be a natural fit yet so uh let's go over to julian or logan whoever wants to kick it off what maybe hasn't worked for kevin rooney uh with the calgary flames so far this season i think with kevin like just i don't want to say nothing absolutely everything has not worked but he has one assist in 17 games he has a face-off rate that is below 50%. It's it's at 41.9 right now, which is he hasn't had a face-off rate this bad in like how many years? Uh, I mean, in terms of allowing chances against, I mean, it's not as if, you know, when he goes out there on the line that he's on, on the fourth line, that 
it is this defensive solid line. Like it, it, like it's not a line that Daryl trusts that Daryl that Daryl trusts. Daryl Sutter trusts. And I think because of that, you put him in a situation, he's in a situation where like he kind of has to he gets the short end of the stick. Milan Lucic has the contract that he has, and I think Daryl Sutter still values the contributions he brings to the locker room. Uh, Trevor Lewis is on that fourth line now, and I think he's in a bit of that same boat. So as a result, for, for Kevin Rooney, who's on the contract that he's on, he gets the short end of the stick by by getting waived. Uh, yeah, I, I just think if he's in a situation where he's able to produce like in some way, and I mean, he's shown that in the past, and, he, and I think the Flames are not asking for him to be this 20-goal scorer, but looking at the goal totals here, he scored six one year. He's had eight in the years. Like, if that's what you're getting from your fourth-line guy, that's not a bad thing. And he has not provided that uh, in, in in short order with the Calgary Flames, whether it's the style of play that is, is hurting him a little bit. I'm not exactly sure. But the fact that he hasn't been able to contribute in ways that go beyond the obvious goals and assist statistics, that hurts him. And if he's in a position mm-hmm. where he can't play him, I mean, there are so many other options this team could look to uh, for him to be for, for them to be on the ice at, at the expense of Kevin Rooney. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and before we go to you, Logan, and get your take on this, I think we know that Daryl Sutter, and we've heard this before, because I think sometimes you can get the slap on the wrist when you're asking, like, you know, what's going on? Your fourth line's not scoring. It's not all about goals. It's all not. It's not all about production for Daryl. We know that there's other things that he wants from players up and down his lineup. And I think when you look at the fourth line and some of the guys there, I mean. You know, uh, Kevin Rooney doesn't really play on the PK. He's, you know, not really up there in terms of the shorthanded time on ice. Uh, the one that does PK a lot is Trevor Lewis. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, you know, one of the guys who gets a lot of shorthanded TOI this season. He's played 55 and a half minutes or so shorthanded this season, whereas Kevin Rooney has played four. So that's something that, and we know that the connection or the relationship that Trevor Lewis and Daryl Sutter has, and, and Daryl likes certainly what Trevor Lewis brings to the table. And you mentioned Milan Lucic. So I think, yeah, you're in a position where it's like, you know, he's not scoring, uh, but what else is he bringing to the table? And I think when Kevin Rooney's on the ice, the team is, you know, getting outchanced for the most part. They're not winning the expected goal battle. They're not winning the actual goal battle either. So I think you're looking at that situation and saying, hmm, you know, it's not the goals, it's not everything, but what else are we getting in terms of uh, what you can bring to the table at five on five? Uh, Logan, what do you think here? What's maybe gone wrong? Yeah, I honestly, Haley, you, you took the biggest point for me and and nailed it on the head because to me it's, and I, I actually don't mind that Daryl Sutter values other intangibles outside of points so much on a fourth line because I do think there's value to that. And I think at different times, We've seen whether it's the leadership or the physicality of Milan Lucic means something to this team more than his goals and assists have. And your point about the penalty killing for Trevor Lewis is incredibly important because he's a very important piece of what this team does when it comes to penalty killing. And I don't think Daryl has very much interest in splitting that up. If anything, the Flames like to use units almost similar to what their power play is for their penalty kill, you'll see a lot of the same guys jump over the boards together and yeah, sort of get especially in. the two forwards, right? Exactly. They like to do their forward duos, and it's like Mangiapane and Dubé and uh, Backlund and Lewis. Yep. And no, it's a uh, Coleman and Lewis. Coleman Backlund, and Lewis. Lindholm. That's Backlund, their Lindholm, kind of yeah. one, two, three. We've, seen, we've even duos, seen right? Huberto and Tofoli at times recently. Mm-hmm. The last little bit picking some of that up. So if you're Kevin Rooney, you have to look. If you're not going to put up the points like the rest of the guys. 
what's your intangible? What's your added benefit to this line? And, you know, sort of to Julian's point where you're saying, I don't really want to say it's nothing, but it kind of has been that. The face-offs are bad, like uh, J-Mag said, they're just 41.9% is just not going to get it done. I don't think he's been overly physical. I, I haven't seen much of an offensive pop from him. I, I'm just sort of waiting for that one area. And, it's I, again, I think Daryl would value that if, if it was showing up, but I just haven't seen that from Kevin Rooney yet. Yeah, uh, Kevin Rooney plays 62% of his uh, starts in the offensive zone. So he's typically starting in the O zone. Uh, he's been on the ice for four goals, four, six against. Uh, and again, as I mentioned, when he's on the ice, the Flames are losing the kind of shot share battle and the expected goal battle, which typically would indicate that despite starting in the offensive zone most of the time, he ends up spending quite a bit of time in the D zone. Um, so let's move on. I think there's not really much else we can say. We'll see what happens uh, once the next 24 hours pass, if he gets claims, if he you know, gets assigned to the American Hockey League, what happens with Kevin Rooney in the Calgary Flames the next 24 hours. Uh, let's move on to Matthew Phillips. We talked about him already off the top, but I do think that this is obviously topical. He gets called up. Uh, Julian, let's just go to you on this one because we'll want to tee up the game a little bit after that. Uh, what's what's your take on Matthew Phillips getting the call up? I know you talked to him. You had a and a with him on the website the other day. Uh, you see Matthew Phillips get called up. What are you thinking? I'm very surprised. I genuinely thought with the way the Flames look right now, uh, just their composition as a, as a heavy team, uh, I think about the exchange he had with, with media a couple of days ago where he basically told us to keep our curiosities about uh oh daryl yeah stay curious yes yeah yeah (laughs) like i don't know i don't know about you but like folks (laughs) yeah absolutely but like when you when you go when you hear stuff like that and you look at how the team is playing i don't know about you like that doesn't tell me that you know matthew phillips is going to get his shot in the organization like at least right away so, so isn't he like I, the most I, natural guy to call up when you look at the fact that this team's not really getting a ton of consistent scoring up and down the lineup? Like who else can you really dip to with organizationally? It's either Phillips I, or Jacob Peltier. I, I agree. And I and mm-hmm. and I think in another organization, they probably get those chances a lot sooner. I mean, Matthew Phillips says he's having a really good time this year, but this is not the first time he's shown that he can play at the AHL level. Mm-hmm. that he's been able to score at the HL level and he still only has one NHL game to his credit. Like if, if the, if the flames really wanted Matthew Phillips up in that lineup, you know, getting those opportunities, you'd think he'd have more than one chance. So yeah, I was very surprised when I heard the news this afternoon that the flames were going to call him up. And again, just, just thinking about how it, it's the, the lineup looks, what happened in the media the other day. Like, yeah, I, I was kind of led to believe thinking that, you know what, maybe this wasn't going to happen for him in this yeah. organization, despite him working as hard as he would. And maybe a guy like Jacques Peltier or maybe even Connor Zary further down the line would get a chance because at least, you know, they're a little bigger. Uh, they, sure. They're they younger prospects. They haven't reached their ceilings yet. But I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. And and I, I the next step for him, obviously, is for him to actually get in the game because if he just gets called up and he's just sitting on the bench for the next little while, that doesn't really solve anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and a tweet from Ryan Leslie uh, covers the Flames for Sportsnet. He's uh, the host on Flames on Sportsnet. He said uh, with Kevin Rooney on waivers, wonder if he may just need to reset, get some minutes to get his game back. Uh, with him being a center, keep an eye out for uh, Redeem Zunhara. Tree Living uh, seems like he wants to get some young players 
looks and integrated into the lineup. So that's something from from Ryan Leslie, who's typically pretty dialed in with the team. So something to to look forward to or look ahead to if if you're thinking of someone else who might get a call or a tap to join the NHL group. Um, and just I a think heads up, term- Zahorna wasn't at practice with the Wranglers today. Oh, so interesting. Ooh, heard it probably just first. probably just, just waiting for that uh, yeah. that waiver clear for Rooney to bring him up. Yeah, yeah, because uh, I'm not exactly sure how many roster pieces are technically there right now. So, so we'll see. Uh, I guess in the next 24 hours. Um, I guess the last thing here, we've got a minute left. One minute, Julian. I think. Are you in Columbus? I am in Columbus. Yes. Okay, what are you looking towards in 60 seconds tomorrow between the Flames and the Columbus Blue Jackets? Just another solid performance. We're starting to see the Flames stack up some solid performances over the last little while. I know they had to come back against the Wild yesterday, uh, but they're they're playing well. They're staying in games. They're still searching for that perfect 60-minute effort, and they're getting goaltending from Dan Vladar. And I, I anticipate we're going to see uh, Vladar and Markstrom get games into this weekend. Uh, but uh, it looks as if the goaltending, at least on Vladar's part, has been really good. He's been able to give Markstrom a bit of a rest. And uh, if Markstrom's able to play, uh, by the way, shout out to Markstrom for still giving support to, Vlad, to, to Vladar and all of this. But uh, yeah, sure. I, I think just looking for a solid performance from them. All right. Great stuff, Julian. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, Logan, thank you for uh, for being in the round table and, and just being a great friend. Friend slash producer. I'm always here for yeah, you. Friend slash producer. Thanks, Julian. Uh, have fun at the game tomorrow night. Beware of the camera. It's scary. All right. There goes Julian McKenzie, our quick little Thursday Flames roundtable. That chat brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner. For takeout or delivery, call 403-248-3344 or dine in at Atlas Pizza 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. That's all the time we have today on Hockey Central. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll uh, tee up a little bit more of the Calgary Flames, Columbus Blue Jackets, and the first time facing Johnny Gaudreau since he left the organization. That'll be tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. We will uh, chat then.